We're talking biobeds on the programme today. What are they and how do they work? Obviously, diffuse pollution and point source pollution is a big issue for the water companies. More from Root Water later, plus an update from Colin Jackson on potatoes. Plenty happening, Colin? Um... Well, there's a little bit going on. All right, don't spoil us now. Tell us more later. Uh, Sean is here as ever with his weekly agronomy update, and it's Jerome with the Open Field Report this week. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. A programme full of regulars today. Uh, Let's start this week with Nick Morris, shall we? An update on the sugar beet campaign from British Sugar. Nick is here with me. Hello, Nick. Morning, Sean. What's uh, happening at the factory? Well, we're still uh, progressing uh, campaign, and I'll uh, I'll come on to the numbers as usual. But to start with the weather, and we're really really fortunate, aren't we, that it still remains very dry. And uh, spilled a report of near perfect harvesting conditions in January uh, is very very welcome indeed. So uh, I think lots of harvesting contractors enjoying those conditions, and indeed. Uh, the growers, of course, establishing or preparing to establish the crops following uh, the harvesting of their their remaining sugar beet. Uh, we have had some colder temperatures of late, of course, um, and that will have slowed any further growth. Uh, however, we were really, really lucky through the autumn and the beginning of the winter uh, with the conditions we had, very warm, mild and some bright sunshine. Uh, and that overall has given us a, around a 50% yield increase from the start of campaign uh, in uh, in many of those crops all the way until uh, the new year, really. So fantastic progress uh, with regards to crop yield. From a grower's perspective now, though, it's really important that they they pick their moment uh, when they get to harvest the the rest of their crop. Uh, Now we're experiencing these these cooler temperatures. So really it's about storage and preparing the crop for storage and it's uh, just trying to achieve the entry of the crop into storage in the best possible conditions. So you really want the crop to be clean, dry, but importantly free from any frost in the crown. So now we're getting these cooler temperatures and these frosts that can sit in the crown of the sugar beet and uh, if it's harvested and put into store in those conditions it can deteriorate and cause some problems so really important that uh, the, the the crops free from any frost in that crown material when it enters into store we've seen the met office reporting uh, forecasts of a potential cold period at the end of january uh, or into early february so uh, i think everyone has to take their own view as to whether that'll materialize or not but uh, we are definitely um, seeing some growers uh, uh, affecting some some prudence uh, and deciding to harvest their crop now before any cold weather comes and getting it secure uh, and into storage ahead of any potential cold weather. So everyone will have their own view on risk, but uh, yeah, we can see some uh, some sound logic in that. So we're 17 weeks into campaign now, and we've got around eight weeks to go. And sugar beet quality still remains excellent. Um, However, as usual, at this time of year, uh, we can get some uh, movement in the in the sugar content. And actually, this year has been really, really positive. So uh, over the last um, few weeks from the beginning of the new year, we've actually seen sugar content increase by half a percent week on week, uh, or half a percent over the, the whole of that period, which is fantastic. So averaging 17.9% for last week. And for the campaign average now, 17.8%. So... Sugar content performing really, really well, and dirt uh, staying very low at 4.9% as well. So couldn't be happier with the quality of the crop. In terms of yield, we've now got 227 contracts that are finished, and they are now averaging 65.5 tonnes a hectare. So that's two tonnes more than when I, uh, in my last report, 
uh, covered just before the uh, before Christmas. So uh, an increase as I expected. So yeah, given the uh, the year we've had, we're delighted with the crop's performance, and uh, it's remarkable to think about how the crop suffered during that growing season with uh, a very wet start, delayed drilling season, and then a prolonged drought and hot temperatures. And it's probably just testament to sugar beet's resilience and capacity to make up lost growing time, really. So we're we're delighted with that. Uh, also, just to, to note, we had a confirmed report this week of a field in the east of Lincolnshire achieving 123 tonnes a hectare, which is just remarkable. Uh, and suspect that will take some some beating. But uh, we'd love to hear about any fields that you uh, have that have done better than that. If there's any growers listening, do let me know. On to the factory. Um, so we had a short planned stop on uh, Thursday of this week just to undertake a few repairs on our evaporator pipe work. It was completed as planned uh, and... Uh, wasn't it wasn't major but it unfortunately did require us to stop so unfortunately that did mean um we have impacted uh Hawley's deliveries on thursday of this week by around 50 percent. but back up to speed now uh not expecting any further issues uh, in the immediate term so fingers crossed and we've now sliced over 1 million tons of beat this campaign um our current average is 8,700 tons a day and we hope to see that increase going forward but other than that hopefully plain sailing between now and the end yeah, you mentioned the weather. Obviously, it's been ideal, really, hasn't it? As you said, from the start of the campaign, there was a slight delay to start with, but then right through now to the end of January, it's been going all right for you. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, we are quite well known in agriculture, aren't we, for never having quite the right weather. But uh, I'll certainly will not cite any complaints uh, between uh, the end of October 2018 and uh, here today. How many weeks left of the campaign, roughly? So we're expecting around eight weeks left. Right. So okay. there is still time for some cold weather. But uh, in actual fact, cold weather will be quite welcome uh, because it would help us manage our uh, Miser's Persky populations. No doubt uh, Sean will be talking about that, but some cold weather really would be a nice natural control to reduce um, uh, our aphid populations going into next year's crop. Uh, and that will help us mitigate uh, the impact of virus yellows in a world without neonicotinoids, of course. Well, we'll hear from Sean in a moment, and we'll have the weather at the uh, end of the programme as well. For now, Nick, thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Sean. Nick Morris at British Sugar. He mentioned Sean Sparling, so uh, let's catch up with our crop doctor. Uh, Sean, how's the weather for you? Yes, morning, Sean. little bit benign, isn't it, at the moment? Far too dry, though. Um, way, way too dry. You know, when I'm looking at approaching the last few days of January, and I'm only 10.6 millilitres of rain in the gauge, you realise just how dry it is. When people are out drilling spring cereals in January relatively easily, you realise how dry it is. You see ditches eight foot across that I've never been able to jump in January, let alone walk up them because they're bone dry, and walking fields in my shoes and my boots because it is so dry. You realise just how dry things are out there in the field, and that's a real worry, and there's nothing we can do about the weather but we really need that balance redressed at some point so i'm praying for a record-breaking wet february if we're going to get a wet month february is the month to get it there's nothing we can do by moaning about the weather we can't wine wet dry and we can't wine dry wet what we can do is hope for the best keep our fingers crossed because it's like my grandfather used to say there's no such thing as bad weather there's just the wrong weather at the wrong time 
And we are certainly seeing the wrong weather at the moment. Uh, we need wet weather to fill these ditches, to fill the reservoirs for the salad growers and the veg growers on the fens and the potato growers coming on. Because if we get a similar summer to last year and we've got a moisture deficit such as we have, we could just experience a few problems and I can already hear I know there'll be people who it'll start raining and they'll say oh it's your fault you said it on the farming program you wanted it to rain well it's your fault it started raining you know if I could order the weather and say I want it to rain and it did I'd be worth an absolute fortune because I'd be taking orders worldwide I certainly wouldn't be doing the farming program and agronomy if I could do that we will get what we get we can do no more than hope that we get some rain because trust me we need a wet February in order to be in good order I just pray that we don't get a wet March April like we did last year because that's what complicated the onset of spring work now let's talk about agronomy and, and while I'm just just talking about the weather by the way on Wednesday evening I spoke at the Brassica and Leafy Salads conference dinner in Peterborough and coming home it was minus four at one o'clock in the morning around Grantham that isn't cold enough to kill aphids by the way you need minus six or less to kill aphids um, and we certainly haven't had anything like that but at the moment the problem's getting no worse if you haven't put an insecticide on on a cereal crop for example if the virus is already in that plant you're not going to solve the problem by putting an insecticide on the way you will limit the effect of that BYDV would be to put an insecticide on should winged aphids come in and start moving it around so don't panic about that I'm walking cereal fields at the moment in my boot and I'm finding a lot of rust I can find mildew I can find septoria I can find stem based disease no need whatsoever to be putting a fungicide on at this time of year make a note of where these problems are to plan when you get stuck in with your t0 in eight or ten weeks time or whatever it works out to be when t0 is upon us and spring growth starts but certainly no need to be putting nitrogen on either way too early no point whatsoever with the limited levels of growth that we're seeing out there in the field so it's planning which is the key at the moment the single biggest crop problem I've got is oilseed rape because the pigeons and the rabbits in particular where they found it are absolutely annihilating big areas if you've got rape in the vicinity of woodland or copses or rough grassland or grassland and the rabbits and the pigeons are able to freely get into your oilseed rape you may well find that you've got some serious issues I would suggest that you get out there with the bangers and the flashers and the guns and the rope bangers and the kites and the whizzy things just keep yourself in control of the pigeons in particular but also the rabbits get some rabbit fencing up and stop them doing the damage because even though they graze the leaves off it's once they start taking the growing point out the crop will respond to that and it'll compensate and it'll throw out side branches there's no question about that but what that then does is it complicates the season because you get a very protracted flowering period it's it, you've always got some which are still in bud when some are already out of flower if you get late frost you lose buds you get complications with pod set and seed set so if you can minimize the effect of rabbits and pigeons and pheasants and deer and hares and partridges now do it don't just assume a visit on a monday will keep you clean till the following monday it won't you probably need to do three or four visits a day i went to a field for example the other day they'd put a banger out in the morning i went to it thinking it looked from a distance like nitrogen deficiency and it had gone very blue and it was about a thousand pigeons so they don't take a lot of notice of us 
they will do what they want. Just make sure you know where your problems are and deal with them as you go. For me, the most important thing you can do is get in the office and do some work on planning. Get your IPMPs, your integrated pest management plans up to date. Get your manure management plans, your your um, NMAX, get your nitrogen, four-point nitrogen plans. Get all of the plans done and the paperwork done. Get it done now while you can think about it and hopefully while it's raining outside. And in between it giving us, hopefully, the wettest February we've had for a number of years, you should be off to the local church, get on your knees and say some words to the man upstairs and ask him to give us one of the wettest Februaries we've ever had. There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just the wrong weather at the wrong time and we're getting an awful lot of the wrong weather at the moment getting all religious honors there ends the sermon thank you uh, sean sparling of sparling agronomy services we talk about the quality of our water a lot here on the program and the work being done to keep water clean one such method on the farm is so-called biobeds dealing with chemical washing but what is that uh, andrew ward has caught up with anthony hopkins director of root water to find out more diffuse pollution and point source pollution It's a big issue for the water companies and a lot of the water companies are actually putting money towards farmers to put a specialist washdown area usually covered and the bio bed or biofilter to get rid of the washdown water. So Anthony, just just explain to me if you could and for the listeners exactly what a bio bed installation involves and actually how does a bio bed work? Right, what happens you have an area, abundant area where you can wash the sprayer down any excess washdown goes into a holding tank. In the holding tank, there's a pump. The pump pumps the um, contaminated water into the bio bed or the biofilter through a series of drip pipes. In the bio bed, there is a media, 50% straw, 25% soil, and 25% peat free compost all mixed together. As the chemical contaminated water goes through the media, the microbes build up so that it breaks down the chemicals. So by the time the contaminated water has completed its way through the bio bed or biofilter, the water doesn't have any residual chemicals left in it. And how, how long does that process take for, the, for it to go through the system? Depending on the flow of the bio bed, I would say between two and three weeks. Okay, and the straw and the compost, you say, that has to go in there when, you, when you're making it, how long does that last and does that have to be changed frequently? We, generally, that needs to be changed every two to three years, depending on how much product is going through the bio bed and how badly the compost has degenerated. So when you change that, would you say that then is contaminated, so that has to be disposed of in a special way? No, with the current EA legislation, that can be disposed on on agricultural land. Okay, and so these biobeds, do you think at the moment, uh, obviously at the moment we don't have to have them by legislation, but do you think eventually in a not-too-distant future it will be a regulation that anybody out with a crop sprayer and any farmer has to have these in place? I think it is becoming more likely that might be the case. I think it will more be driven by crop assurance and different schemes that are in place, so the consumers wanting you to comply more. And if, if a farmer's interested in a biobed, uh, how do they go about it? Do they um, uh, come to you and would you come and advise on a suitable location and how to go about it? We do offer a service of coming out and advising. It is chargeable, but if you buy a biobed or a biofilter, that is, um, that is refunded. All the information about uh, biobeds and biofilters are on the website for the voluntary initiative. 
Right, yes, that's the VI website. Yes, okay, brilliant. And then the other system you do, or the other things you do, looking at irrigation on crops. The weather we have at the moment is hugely variable, and we've had a lot of rain only yesterday. And obviously with the drought we had this last summer, and then the rains and floods we've had recently, the weather is becoming even more variable and, and important on farming. Are you thinking or are you finding irrigation is becoming more important and, and farmers are coming to you uh, for irrigation systems or, or is it only to do uh, with, with specialist root crops? No, we're finding a lot of farmers are realising that they have to conserve the soil structure, reduce the erosion and match the infiltration rate of the irrigation system with the soil type. By doing this, you can increase your crop by 20-25%. I wouldn't say there is necessarily a saving in water, but what there is is a more efficient use of the water. And we're seeing a lot more interest in drip irrigation and the solid set sprinkler irrigation. Anthony Hopkins, Director of Root Water, chatting there with Andrew Ward. Thanks for that, Andrew. Right, let's uh, update ourselves on the world of potatoes, shall we? Colin Jackson is with us from PJP. What's uh, happening, Colin? They're sort of starting to plant the very first earlies now, sort of, you know, not in Lincolnshire yet, still a little bit early for that, um, but certainly down in Cornwall, uh, Jersey, uh, places like that, they've sort of made a bit of a bit of progress on the very first ones um sort of stopped this week obviously now it's come a bit colder again but uh over the last 10 days or so there's a few bits gone in the ground so uh yeah started with that um otherwise trade isn't particularly brisk anywhere um but values are sort of maintaining relatively high still we heard from uh, nick morris of british sugar earlier in the, in the program saying that really it's, it's been not a bad start to the year weather-wise uh, same for you Yes, um, I mean for us, obviously the weather has you know a lot less um, to do with the trade uh, this time of year. Actually, you know we we like a little bit of nice cold weather um, to actually stimulate people wanting roast dinners and that kind of thing. So that obviously helps with the uh, with the trade. Um, the other thing that it can affect if it gets too cold, it can mean it's very difficult to store them at the correct temperatures. Um, and uh, if you're not careful, you can get um, the potatoes will sugar if they get too cold, uh, which is when you get uh, brown chips and brown roast potatoes. Um, so, uh, but it's not got down to those levels yet um, with decent storage. Well, that's that's good news. What's uh, quality like at the moment? Yeah, quality is not bad at all. Um, there are some sort of relatively high stock levels still about of contracted potatoes, but uh, generally speaking. Yeah, quality is pretty good. Um, so what's in store is uh, is, is decent quality. Um, as I say, trade is relatively slow. So there are some relatively high stocks still about. So these high prices that we've got at the moment, the trade could go one way or the other. Um, there'll be some imports starting to come in shortly. Give it another, you know, over this next month or so, there'll be some... Israelis start to appear, uh, and probably a few Egyptians as well. Um, and, and on a slow trade, that will just put things under a little bit of pressure, in my opinion. What would help push the trade for you? Um, we need uh, the multiples to do a bit of promotion work and that kind of thing, um, and uh, that would help uh, stimulate a few more sales. Valentine's Day coming up. Everyone loves potatoes. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> that it. kind of thing. What, yeah. what, what are prices at the moment then? What are we looking at? 
Well, yes, prices are still maintaining um, nicely up in the range of, you know, up towards sort of £400 or above for the top quality, both in sort of packing and also frying uh, uh, material. Um, but prices down at sort of, you know, from really £250 for more ordinary potatoes in, in sacks for, you know, general use. And your hopes as we hit the end of January and going into February? Well, um, as I say, the one thing that's that's over and above everything, over and above everything at the moment, is the amount of stocks that are left around and about. So uh, that is a little bit of a concern. So uh, yeah, we do need to stimulate a few more sales really to uh, make sure that we're not um, carrying over um, stocks that uh, you know we need to be getting cleared out for when the new season really starts to come in. All right, everyone, get out and buy your potatoes. That's the word from Colin. That's it. That's it. Always. <laughs> Colin, thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you. Colin Jackson at PJP. Well, we've mentioned the weather a fair bit today. We will have that detailed forecast in a moment. First, our catch-up with Open Field and Jerome Fielder has the report this week. Hi, Sean. Wheat markets have been relatively flat this week, with May 19 futures trading between £172 and £174. The big topic for the UK market is, of course, Brexit and the political uncertainty which creates currency volatility. This week, the pound has strengthened further, which is not working in the farmer's favour. The pound hasn't been this strong against the euro since April last year. Financial markets seem to consider that May's deal voted down in the Commons last week was a foregone conclusion, and that this indicates Brexit could be postponed, which provides more certainty in the short term, thus strengthening the pound. Globally, however, the wheat markets were up on the week, with the French market gaining two euros on May 19 and the US market also lifting slightly. Due to currency, the UK did not benefit from the uplift in values. On a positive front, the Russian exports appear to be slowing down with other origins, namely the US and EU becoming more price competitive. Unfortunately, the US government shutdown is limiting access to meaningful data on US exports and supply and demand estimates which can strongly influence prices. On to feed barley. Feed barley values are most vulnerable to the strength of the pound as the UK has an exportable surplus and international sales are difficult to make with time running out. Prices will therefore vary substantially depending on location and distance from a port. Premiums for malting have remained steady although this is over a reduced feed price with springs ranging from £24 to £28 premium depending on location, and the winter market premium is between £12 and £18. On, on to oil seeds now. Again, currency limited any gains in the rate price, with value still holding steady around £320 ex farm for February 19, depending on location. A US-China trade deal is still miles and miles away, according to the US Commerce Secretary, which isn't helping US soybean values. The rapeseed market has been supported by strength in the world veg oils, with French market rising for the seventh time in eight sessions and making an 11-week high close, whilst the Canadian canola market is also up. Just on to pulses briefly, there is a lack of activity in the bean markets due to the lack of tonnage coming forward of old crop and indecision about the potential size of the coming 2019 crop. Planting is underway in most areas, with early drilling allowing for better establishment should we have another wet spring. This leaves a positive outlook for the coming human consumption crop, 
although much can change between January and harvest. 2018 is a reminder of that. Now for your ex-farm values. Spot feed wheat for Feb 19 is £168 to £172 depending on location. May 19 is between £171 and £173 with the pound carry not always possible in all areas. Harvest 19 values on feed wheat are £145 to £147 depending on location and for November 19 they're circa £150 again depending on location. Group 1 premiums for this year are between £10 and £12. Feed barley spot price is between £158 and £162 uh, with May 19 prices between £162 and £165. Harvest values are between £130 and £132. All seed rate values for spot are between £318 and £322. Uh, May 19 values are between £322 and £325. And harvest 19 values are between £308 and £312. Feed bean values for spot is £225. And on new crop November 19, it's circa £185. Thanks, Jerome. That's Jerome Fielder from Openfield. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Yes, on to the weather then, and it's all about wind direction. It starts off from the west-northwest today, meaning showers on and off, highs of around 6 Celsius. But come this afternoon, that wind will turn more from the north-northwest, maybe gusting at 50 miles an hour in places, and that will bring more wintry showers. It'll stay cold throughout the week. Indeed, Wednesday, we might see temperatures at minus three overnight, although generally the overnight temperatures this week will stay just around freezing point, either just above or just below. Daytime highs of four or five Celsius, and it should be mostly dry once today's out of the way. Some sunshine mixed in there, but again, wintry showers can't be ruled out, especially later in the week with that wind again more from the north. The hourly updates will, of course, keep you updated through the week. For now, though, that is the forecast. Next week, we're discussing that old favourite, actually, I'm not sure favourite's the word, black grass, and the research from Rothamsted, which might help tackle it. That is next week at the usual time. Until then, have a good week's farming.